Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's another edition of the Cavs Weekly Podcast. Please give us a new name, by the way. On the Waiting for Next Year podcast, or on the official Waiting for Next Year.com podcast network. We are also on the Evergreen Podcast Network, and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm your host, Josh Bloha, back again with Seth Wanamaker. Seems like we are on here weekly. That's what we were trying to do a few weeks ago when we started this, and so far, so good. I guess we'll start off on the good side over the past week. We'll start off talking All-Star Weekend and the Cavs and Cleveland and just everything good surrounding the All-Star game besides the weather, but... Who cares about how cold it was? It was an awesome weekend. Seth, welcome. And I guess let's get started. What are your some of your thoughts about All-Star Weekend and the All-Star Game overall? Yeah, what's going on, man? Um, I wrote a piece on waitingfornextyear.com yesterday. It just came out this morning about the All-Star Game. And I found myself like getting emotional. I'm not an extremely emotional guy, but multiple times throughout the weekend, I felt myself realizing that, wow, this is a big moment, not just for Cleveland, not just for Garland and Mobley and Allen and Okoro, but just for NBA history. Like it was surreal on Sunday night, thinking about all those legends in Cleveland under one roof, all at the same time. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, went as well as it possibly could <laughs> every night that the Cavaliers were a part of something they won. Um, hearing the crowd go crazy for them was incredible. And it still, it almost doesn't feel real to me. I was talking to some friends earlier and it's, it's still like pinch me. It was such an incredible weekend. I don't know even where to start because I had so much fun watching on my ass on the couch the entire weekend. It, yeah. I mean, you summed it up perfectly. The Cavs won. I mean, Friday, the, I guess we'll start off Friday night, Rising Stars. It was like a little mini tournament. Um, the Cavs team, Team Rick Barry, had Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Cade Cunningham. I'm trying to think of. I think they had one more guy that I can't think of right now, like one more big big name or for a rookie or a second-year guy. But it, it, it was Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro. They won the first game. It was uh, first to 50. They won that one, and then they beat – I don't even know who they beat in like the finals of it, but they, it was first or 25. And so they took home a trophy per se and Friday night, Saturday night skills competition, Evan Mobley. I mean, Darius Garland balled out in like the shooting part of it. And then Evan Mobley hits his first half court shot. I mean, the dude, is he even like a real per? He's got to be like half robot at this point, to be honest, 20 year old balling out like that. So the Cavs team Cavs beats team rookie and team, Antti and Kupo, who were the three, uh, Giannis and his two brothers, who, I mean, let's be honest, if it consisted of shooting, the skills competition was a big part of, like, shooting was a big part of it. You knew Giannis and his brothers weren't going to do well with that. And then the the three-point contest, that was also fun. I did not predict whatsoever that Carl Anthony Towns would win that. I mean, I'd love to see how many bets 
and Vegas were on cat to win over any other player because I bet you it was very little. And then the slam dunk competition, and I guess we just won't talk about that because it's probably the worst slam dunk competition in the history of the competition itself. So Saturday night, Team Cavs all the way. Sunday night comes around. Darius Garland plays well. Jared Allen gets crunch time minutes, locks up Joel Embiid. And what one? He got crunch time minutes over Nikola Jokic. That's a huge, I mean, I don't care what you say. Hometown kid or not, that's a huge deal. I guess it was mainly for his defense and his afro. And then LeBron hits the game winner to help Team LeBron, which consisted of Darius Garland and um, Jared Allen, to win it. And, I mean, it was... It was a perfect weekend for Cleveland, for the Cavs. You couldn't have asked for much better. I guess like Darius or Jared Allen when an all-star game MVP would have been the perfect ending, but no one was really expecting that. So it's not a big deal, but yeah, I mean, I was down there Friday night. I know you wanted to, you wanted to ask me some questions. It went from like, uh, all right, let's just go down there for a game to meeting, getting home at almost 4 a.m., and for like a 9 a.m. wake up call to go to Columbus the next morning. And it was it was one of those things where like I'm glad it like yes, I was tired Saturday, but I'm so glad I did it. 4 a.m. That's like Miami time. So every you know, everyone coming in mid-February for the NBA All-Star break. Oh, it's cold. What are we gonna do? It's like, no, 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 no. We can go till 4 a.m. We can get the hotel bars going. We can we can handle All Star Weekend. We've done it a lot recently. Cleveland's gonna they're gonna meet the challenge. We can do it. <laughs> it yeah, I mean, and then I made the mistake of at 2:30 because I was trying to go a little earlier than that, but we stayed out a little late, obviously. But at 2:30, I tried to get an Uber, and I mean, it, it was just great. Like 2.30, it was still hard to get an Uber because there were so many people downtown. But just like looking out the windows during while at the bar, it was like 1.30 at night and traffic was still like bumper to bumper outside. It was one of those things where it's like, is this downtown Cleveland or is this like New York or Chicago? It was just, it was one of those surreal moments, I guess. I mean, you said that earlier. It was just like, uh, is this really happening sort of thing? I mean, yes, like I said, it was cold. It was snowy, but it's Midwest. Like people are expecting that, I guess. Maybe not the wind and the wind chill. But even with that, Cleveland made the most of their opportunity and like balled out, I guess you would say. I mean, to keep it simple, they they literally balled out. Yeah. I, I gotta we gotta dive into your night a little bit. Um I I wanted to roll through just really quick some of the notes I took over the weekend, and then we gotta dive into Josh 3 a.m. What's going on? Who are you seeing? Who are you partying with? Um, but a couple of notes that I had from the weekend. So Friday night, Evan Mobley, Team Barry, as you said, Evan Mobley and Okoro played. Um, Mobley, I thought, looked like the best player on the court for most of the time he was out there. And we got to see Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley pick and roll. Anytime they needed like a serious bucket, they just did like high pick and roll Mobley, Cunningham, and deadly. I put on Twitter – um, you, you know, some trade proposals for Cunningham. I'm sure Detroit's very willing to give him up, but yeah, that guy is incredible. And I love seeing him play off mobile. Just Kevin Pangos and a first rounder for Cade. Who says no, <laughs> even though Kevin Pangos isn't on the Cavs anymore. Cause he got waived. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll throw in Osman for, for salary matching uh, purposes. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'll give him Osman. 
<laughs> that, that, that'd be a tough to let go of Jenny for Cade Cunningham, but I'll do it. <laughs> we got to do it. But that was, that was a sincerely fun, um, fun competition. And then they get to run it back on Thursday. The Cavs play uh, the Pistons this week. So that's going to be a fun matchup after they were just on the same team. Uh, but yeah, Mobley looked incredible. Uh, moment that was definitely not too big for him. Looked better than he has um, even the last couple of weeks before he we went into the stretch. Um, and then the, the skills competition where Garland is shimmying after he hits the first like moon ball that he takes from like 30 feet. And then I think he goes back forth, back forth and hits all four shots in a row, uh, caps it, making two more. And, and yeah, the Cavaliers just dominated the skills competition. I was dead wrong. I picked the rookie team because I thought it was going to be a little bit more athleticism. I was right. <laughs> you I nailed was it. Right. You I nailed it. Two. By the way, before you go on, I'm, I got two of the three projections. I went with hometown people or home the hometown team, I guess you'd say, for all three, right? Yeah, all three Saturday night, and I got two to three right. I was pretty proud of myself. I was trying to be contrary and like, don't pick the Ohio guys. You, you know, you're gonna you're going too easy. You nailed it. So I gotta eat. You know, I gotta eat some crow here. You whooped me. I went zero and three last week. And by so. the way, I won zero dollars because I didn't bet on any of it. So that was dumb of me. But continue, continue <laughs> yeah. with your notes. <laughs> um. Yes, skills competition was incredible. I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about this a ton, but some very interesting quotes came out. LeBron, um, is it leverage? Is he trying to pin the Lakers up against the wall? Is it sincerity? Um, I don't know, but I think the exact quote was, "The door is certainly not closed to something like that in regards to a potential Cleveland Cavaliers reunion." So let me pause there, um, Josh. Any thoughts, comments you have based off of that quote from LeBron? LeBron really knows like what to say and how to be passive aggressive. He is a very smart man. I mean, some of the things he says might not be the smartest thing, but he knows what he's saying and how he's saying it, I guess you'd say. I mean, even with um yeah, like the one the door's not out the door's not fully closed or whatever he said about returning to the Cavs. And then oh the he was I guess you wouldn't even call it passive aggressive because he was just straight up aggressive, but he was like praising Kobe Altman for building this Cavs team the way he has. And then he was praising Sam Presti for building OKC the way he has, like even like his draft picks of Kevin Durant, James Harden, Josh Giddy. I mean, that's just three of the names that I can think of right now, but yeah, he was, but not only was he praising them, Especially, I mean, him giving praise to Kobe Altman says a lot because Kobe was the one that traded Kyrie, and LeBron obviously was not happy with that. We all know that. We're not going to get into it. But him coming back and praising Kobe was also a shot at the Lakers because he just, I mean, we all know. He might not say it's a shot at the Lakers, but we all know it's a shot at the Lakers. Even though, as a Cavs fan, we know that LeBron is part player, part GM. LeBron is the reason Russell Westbrook is a Laker. He wanted Russell Westbrook. That was the downfall. That was the beginning of the downfall of the Lakers, let's be honest. So, I mean, it goes both ways. But, yeah, LeBron knew exactly what he was saying, whether it was on TV or in that the athletic story with Jason Lloyd or Joe Varden story. or I mean, LeBron is a very smart man, and he knows what to say and when to say it. He knows exactly what buttons to push. And I, I guess the only question I think that a lot of people still have after the weekend is, are his comments purely based off of 
creating leverage for the Lakers to do everything they can to surround him with talent? Or, you know, was he being potentially sincere about he could see himself in Cleveland again in the future? Um, I, I tend to think probably the former, um, I think. But, you know, can be surprised. The pro- I don't want to talk about LeBron too much, but, I mean, it's an NBA talk, so you know we're going to talk about LeBron some. It's the fo- the former, but the problem is that they're not going to have such a high draft pick where they're going to get a star unless they get lucky, I guess, unless, I mean, Giannis has gotten drafted late in the first round. And, like, if you have a top five pick, the chances of you drafting a star are much higher than if you have a pick 15 through 30, let's be honest. And, I mean, unless the Lakers completely downfall, I don't think they're going to get a top 10 pick unless. Then again, if the NBA lottery is rigged and they want LeBron to stay in L.A., maybe they win the lottery. I don't know. But they don't really have any trade assets. I mean, I guess you could trade Anthony Davis, but then you're giving up Anthony Davis. Are you really going to get someone in return that's just as good, even if he's healthier? You're not trading Russell Westbrook. That might be. Him and John Wall might be the two worst contracts in the NBA by far. Russell Westbrook's going to pay like $44 million or something insane this year. But besides that, do you really have – I mean, Taylor Horton Tucker, I guess, you might be able to get something for him. But besides those three guys, you don't really have any – I mean, if we thought the Cavs had no tradable assets, the Lakers might have even fewer, which says a lot without really saying much at all. Yeah, when you look at their team, they just have a bunch of guys, and you know they've utilized a lot of their picks um, that they don't really have anymore. So, very interesting tactic. There's Twitter rumors about LeBron was upset that I believe the proposed trade rumblings. Again, this is all speculation. Who knows? But apparently, there was a trade involved. Rockets and Lakers were talking about uh, Lakers would give up Russell Westbrook and attach, I believe, their 2027 first round pick for John Wall. <laughs> And apparently, 2027. Can we just think about that for a second? There's a chance. Wait, that is five years from now. There's a chance that an eighth grader can get picked with that selection. All right, continue. <laughs> and that 2027 pick could be really high <laughs> if if LeBron completely you know goes through it, all of the the resources and chess pieces. That pick could be dangerously high. So yeah, like you and I both said already, not crazy about a bunch of LeBron talk. Just really interesting comments. Of course, he makes the game winner. Uh, 161 to 160, you play to 163. He makes a turnaround, like fade away in front of the home fans. It was just such a feel good story. Uh, I'm getting a little murky here because I'm talking about a little bit of negativity with LeBron and such an incredible ending, but really interesting comments. We'll see what happens this offseason. Before we continue off the LeBron talk, Steph Curry, I mean, if you guys didn't know, Steph Curry and LeBron are both born at the same hospital in Akron. Them both balling out in their first All-Star game back in Cleveland is pretty damn cool, to be honest. I mean, Steph, hate Steph Curry all you want. Watching him in person has to be – I've never – unfortunately, I've never been able to watch Steph Curry in person. But watching him in person has to be, like, an incredible – I mean, watching that TV Sunday night last Sunday night was insane. Being there in person had to be, I don't know, like, incredible. He had, like, 16 threes. I don't care, All-Star game or not, 16 threes in a single game is insane. And then, like, 50 – he ended up with 50 points because the record is 52. But him balling out, LeBron hitting the game winner, especially with LeBron's – all of his high school buddies back in town and just – that had to be – I know he even talked about it after the game. That had to be, like, one of his proudest moments as an NBA player. I mean, yes, winning championships is obviously atop the list, especially the one for the Cavs. 
But besides championships, that has to be one of his proudest moments as an NBA player. Yeah, this is absolutely surreal. Um, and like you said earlier, still hard to believe. Um, I'll wrap up on on the notes. You and I called it the dunk competition needs to be moved. I mean, that was the worst one. Moved? I, I don't even think you – if you move it, just move it to like Monday night when no one's watching. I was going to say Thursday, Thursday at like 2.30 in the afternoon, so, something. Um, I have a lot of ideas and thoughts about how to make it better, but you can't roll out the same product again next year. I mean, it's it's – a joke. Um, and I don't know more incentives. Do you get like some random YouTube street who, I don't know. You got to do something. You can't put that out again. I think I would rather watch the guys that waiting for next year dunk because none of us can then have to watch that again. Like see who can like, I guess for me, I could dunk if I like got on someone's shoulders. So put me on someone's shoulders. That'd be so much more entertaining. Although I'd feel bad for the person that whose shoulders I'm on. But that's beside the fact. I mean, it, it that ha- like you said, it cannot happen again. That I would love to see. They, I'm sure they won't do it or they can't do it. I would love to see how far the ratings dropped after the three point competition because it was you literally that was unwatchable. I mean, Obi Top and the the uh, Dayton Ohio native won it that was cool being back in his home state but besides that that was horrific and my pick last week was Jalen green Jalen green was like one of 11 on dunks it was so bad josh it was so bad i got up i was like no they they have to change it um i don't know what they're gonna do but yeah that was disgusting um and, and then just just the last thought i had was you already mentioned it but jared allen i was so like proud of him. Like I felt like a, like a weird uncle or something. The fact that he's in the game playing against Embiid, who's banging. I mean, Embiid was taking that game seriously. You could tell when Embiid tried to go help on LeBron's last shot, he was going like balls to the wall. He was trying to win that game. And Embiid kind of posterized Allen uh, about a week ago before the all-star break pretty bad. And Allen was taking, absorbing the contact, playing through him. He stopped Embiid multiple times the last couple minutes. Uh, incredible game, incredible weekend night. Um, I can't wait for year 100. If it's in Cleveland, we're going, we're going. Jeez. I, it's weird to think like 25 years from now though. Holy cow. I mean, some of the waiting for next year guys, I don't know if you're listening or if they're going to listen, but. <laughs> They're gonna be seventy plus. I won't be seventy plus. I'll only be wait. How old am I? Thirty one. I'll wow. I can. It's late. Sorry. I'll only be mid fifties. But it's just like incredible to think that twenty five years from now, how old we're all gonna be. LeBron will be way out of the league. LeBron might be in a nursing home by then. Seriously, with his knees, he won't be in a nursing home. Obviously, he's a billionaire. But you know what I mean. Um. But yeah, they hope the cat the Cleveland hosted the 50th anniversary and the 75th anniversary. So they're going to host the 100th. It's not going to, let's be honest. It's not going to be at rocket mortgage field house. There's no way that arena is still going to be around. It's just weird to think that like 25 years doesn't seem like that much time, but when you really, really think about it, that is a shit ton of time. And you, it's weird to think of what the landscape of Cleveland's look like. Well, first energy stadium, be a dome. Will the Browns have won a Super Bowl by then? Probably not. Um, when Cavs, how many championships will they have by then? The Indian, the, the Guardians, <laughs> will Dolan still be cheap? I mean, it's crazy to think 25 years from now. Weird. Yeah, who's going to be the ownership groups? I, I'll tell you what we do. We sandbag Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse 
around you're like 21, 22, we say, Hey, NBA, we we're going to, we, as in the owner are going to build this beautiful new arena without taxpayer dollars, but you're going to, we're going to need the, uh, we're going to need the all-star game 100. So let's do it. Leverage. Let's go. And you got to have it. Yeah. It's, it's starting to happen. Yeah. It's just weird to think like none of the three stadiums, well, that's two stadiums in the arena that are in downtown probably won't be what they are right now in 25 years. I mean, let's be honest, this isn't the Browns podcast, but the Tennessee Titans are already trying to build a new stadium. Their stadium was built the same year First Energy Stadium was. So put that into perspective. But let's be, let's get back to Cavs and All-Star Talk. Yeah, so those are my notes. That's what I got. It was an emotional weekend. It was so much fun. I felt proud. The fact that MJ came in on like a direct flight after the, day, after, uh, the race. Yeah, how incredible. about that? And especially because like – Everyone that knew that he was coming didn't say that they knew. So the whole thing was like, oh, my gosh, MJ is not going to come to the 75th anniversary because he's at Daytona. Imagine having that much money that you get a private jet and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go to Daytona and the All-Star game same day. No big deal. The, uh, the Burke uh, Lakefront Airport was had to be absolutely bumping. with that's, that's another thing. I would love to see how many private jets were in Burke Lakefront Airport on Sunday night. It had to be an insane amount. I mean, probably every player plus a majority of the 75th anniversary players, probably it had to be packed. I can only imagine air traffic control Sunday night leaving Burke Lake front airport. And those, all those celebrities that came in, I mean, they were probably flying out, you know, Sunday night. Oh, that had MGK. To be- um, we're not going to get an MGK. Yeah. I can't stand the man, but <laughs> all right. So that. Is that it for your notes, by the way? I, I have to lead you to fr- – I need to know who you were partying with this Oh, weekend. man. I was, right, so in, Friday night. I, I was in on my couch in my boxers being lame. I need to know who you were partying with. Friday night, it turned into, hey, let's just go to the game. And I was thinking that I'd be home by like midnight to arriving at the bar at 12.15 in the morning. Literally arriving there at 12.15. But first, the game, it was crazy to see, like, just we were up in, like, not the upper level, but, like, the mezzanine or club level, I guess, whatever you'd call it. So, like, we were, we had really good seats. We were at half court and club level. And just, like, crazy to just look down near the court and just, like, everywhere you looked, there was, there was a celebrity. I mean, Shaq, all the NBA, a bunch of the current all-stars were there. I mean, DeMar Duras and Zach Levine, all those guys. Darius, speaking of, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Colin Sexton literally hung out all weekend. I don't want to overblow that, but them being three really good friends, that's a lot. But And then Adam Silver just shows up, and he sits in, like, the 10th row back behind, like, the t- where the TV announcers are. It's just It was just weird to, like, be in an arena. I can only imagine how Sunday night was with all those 75th anniversary guys there, too. It was just weird to be, like, in the same arena with all those celebrities but i know you want to know sunday the real fun sunday night so yeah it literally went from me thinking that i'd be home by midnight because i had a trip to columbus saturday morning to me getting home at almost 4 a.m so we hotel bars open till 4 a.m uh friday night saturday night so one of the people i was with she was the trainer for the hawks back in the day which I did not know at the time, but I found out obviously later. So wait, she's like, yeah, let's just go to this hotel bar. I can't even think of the name of it right now. It'll come back to me, but I can't even think of the name of it. 
So we go in, we walk in, literally the first person I see is Isaiah Thomas. Not the short one, but the legendary one. I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So we just like get a table and it's just like, so Isaiah's there, Steve Smith. Uh, these are all old timers. So if you're like a young, a young listener, you're probably not going to know a lot of these guys. Well, a couple of them you might, but uh, yeah. So Isaiah, Steve Smith, Dennis Scott, Charles. So they're all there. And then like 45 minutes later, Charles Barkley walks in. And like for the other guys, it was just like, all right, cool. They're here. Charles walks in and he gets like a huge standing ovation. So it come to find out it's the, we were in the hotel bar of the, where the TNT crew was staying. So it was a lot of those guys. Shaq didn't come. He had a party at Barley house. Charles Barkley was there as well at the Barley house, but then he came to the hotel after, but it was just like those guys. I'm trying to, I'm missing a couple. Chris Haynes was there. The reporter for Yahoo and TNT. Allie LaForce. It was just like weird being around all those guys and just like seeing them as regular people. I mean, a lot of people like went up and wanted to talk to them and take pictures with them, but it was just like weird. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because if you see him on TV, especially a guy like Charles Barkley, you don't think of him as a real person. Let's be honest. We're all real people, but you don't think of him as a real person. So it's just like weird just like walking into a bar and drinking with those dudes when literally that doesn't happen except every 25 years in downtown Cleveland. Let's be honest. Charles Barkley probably doesn't go go to downtown Cleveland just to have a beer after the NBA game. So it's just weird being in the vicinity of all that, all that NBA greatness and just... I guess, let's be honest, millions of dollars that you would never know that they had millions of dollars. And it's it's such a unique environment where if if there's media coming in to cover the Cavaliers in the finals, it's it's more work versus, you know, this weekend, I think you're encouraged to have some fun. You deserved it. So um, I'm not asking you to out anybody, but was anybody like insanely turned? Was there flip cup going on? Um, was everyone pretty relaxed or, or was it getting pretty rowdy in the hotel bar? It was packed and surprisingly it was packed when we left at two 45 in the morning, which was, I mean, that's another thing. It was crazy to like leave at two 45. And if you didn't tell me that it was two 45 in the morning, I would have said it was like midnight because how packed the bar still was. It wasn't rowdy though. It was just like people just hanging out, eating, drinking, chilling, I guess you'd say. And just, I mean, it was loud. But it wasn't like rowdy or like it, it wasn't like you were at a club. It was, you knew you were at a bar. I love it, man. I am purely jealous. I know we we talked about it a little bit. Like we got we got to get some hotel bar three a.m. stories going. So yeah, and incredible. like some people were getting pictures. Of that, like I have no proof that I was with Charles Barkley. Unfortunately, I'm just not. I know I said this to you beforehand. But like I'm just not a picture guy. I hate being that guy, especially a guy. I mean, I guess a girl. The guys, the NBA players don't mind the fact a girl does it because it's a female, let's be honest. But, like, just, like, a 6'6 dude just, like, coming up and saying, hey, can I get a picture with you? Like, I'm, one, I'm not about it, and two, just, like, I feel weird. So I just don't do that ever, unfortunately. 
I kind of have the same relationship with the Jersey. Like, you know, maybe, you know, getting into like the thirties, something like that. I'm like, okay, I got to like treat these people a little differently. Now they're, now they're like, you know, my nephew's age. So I need to, <laughs> I need to think about these guys a little differently. Evan Mobley is literally not even drinking age yet. I need to stop acting like he's a superstar. <laughs> right. He did not grovel at his feet. He just got his driver's license. So, <laughs> Holy cow. Wait, he didn't only get his driver's license four years ago. All right. That's a, we're going way off topic, but that's a weird <laughs> thing. Seems like I've been out of like I've been out of college for ten years. He got his driver's license four years ago. Holy cow! Yeah. Well, well thank you for for engaging me. I, I'm a little bit of like a, a weirdo, like TMZ guy. When there's celebrities in Cleveland, I know I want to know like what they're doing, what they're going to. That's a good. Now that you bring up TMZ, I should have had one of them do something stupid and taking a video just so I can. Just so I could have gotten paid from TMZ, <laughs> that would have been cool. But yeah, I just like, like I said, it was Charles Barkley, Dennis Scott, Steve Smith, Isaiah Thomas, Ali LaForce, Chris Haynes, and I think that's it. So it's just like six of them, and yeah, they were all just hanging out. And a lot of them were with family or like their significant others or friends. But yeah, it was just everyone was just hanging out. And the one cool thing I saw on Twitter, shout out Charles Barkley um, over at Barley House. He stopped the DJ for a minute, announced, hey, for the next five songs, I got everyone's drinks. Like, let's let's go, haters, you kiss my ass. And then the, the music starts bumping again. So that seemed to be an incredible moment. I was truly jealous. I was not. I was that. close enough to Charles, though, where I saw him pay for his tab at the bar. And he like just whipped out like like we would whip out like dollars, like twenty dollar bills. You're just like whipping out $100 bills. I was like, man, must be nice to have be a freaking millionaire. Just be like, oh, that bar tab's 500 bucks. Oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Cash. Cash only. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the change. No big deal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But like I said, it was it was just cool. The environment just all around Cleveland. Cleveland taking advantage of the opportunity. I know Steph Curry had a lot of positive things to say about downtown. He donated a shit ton of money to not the Cleveland Food Bank, to Cleveland Metropolitan School District, I think. he It was like for every point and every three-pointer he made or something. And then just like LeBron's charity, donated to the LeBron James Family Foundation in Kent State. And then Team Kevin Durant's charity donated to the Cleveland Food Bank. Just like Cleveland not only showed out, but they got a ton of money. Whether it was the economy or just in donations, it, it was just really cool to see. A really, a really, really great weekend for the city of Cleveland all around. Yeah. Um, so I, this feels like a transition time. So incredible weekend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> incredible weekend. Uh, memories will last forever. We're begging for 100. We got to talk about the news we got today, right? Everyone was so amped up, like, oh, my gosh, Thursday can't get here soon enough. This has been, like, a long eight – was it eight days? I think the Cavs last played Wednesday. So it was a long eight-day stretch without Cavs basketball, like a legitimate Cavs game, not Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and Darius Garland, and Isaac Okoro playing. But, yeah, everyone was so pumped up. And then uh, this afternoon, if you're listening to us live, it's obviously Wednesday. If you're listening to us tomorrow or Friday, Wednesday afternoon – the Cavs received news that Darius Garland. I, I, you should have said this because you were making the transition. Darius Garland and Karis Levert are out tomorrow night against Detroit. Karis with a foot sprain and Darius with 
his ongoing back issues, which I, I mean, we can get into this. He was fine. The he played the last game before the break. He was in and out for the couple weeks. Played the last game before the break. Was fine all weekend. Played Saturday night in the skills competition. Sunday in the All Star game. Everything looked to be good, and then this news breaks, and it's like, shit. Like that's really you. And then so not only Darius, not only are you out without an All Star, but you just got Karis Avert at the deadline. I guess a week before the deadline. And a foot sprain. I mean, I that's that might be like a non Darius Garland's back issues are obviously a lingering issue. A foot sprain is probably a lingering issue too, and he might be out for a couple weeks. I'm 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 speculating. I don't know anything. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any sources with Cavs, but you know they're going to be cautious with it. If he's not 100, they're not going to let him come back. But like. This might be an issue with 24 games left in the regular season. 24 games left. The Cavaliers have played 70% of their games this year. The all-star break happens way after the midpoint. My plan was to talk about how critical the games are left. And when you get this news about Garland and Lavert, it's just, you know, I'm not going to be panic guy, but it's concerning one because Garland sat out numerous games ahead of the all-star break. And everyone kept saying, Get to the all-star break. The guys will be fresh, fresh legs. We'll be in great shape for this stretch 24-game run. And like you said, he looked perfectly fine all throughout the entire weekend. So very concerned. You and I were doing our investigative work before this. I didn't see any pictures of Darius Garland (laughs) practicing today. Um, so the question is, did it happen, you know, after all-star weekend, did it happen at practice today and they didn't show them afterwards. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's troubling. I mean, the, the Cavaliers are only two and a half games above, uh, the seventh seed right now. So you're missing by far your best two offensive weapons in the backcourt rolled out an entire day early. Um, so it's not even like they're questionable, might give it a shot. Um, to me, Saturday means a lot. So they're both out for Thursday. I mean, Karis, if it's an ankle sprain, could be out weeks. But Darius and his back, Saturday is going to tell me a lot. If if Garland sits out against Saturday, then I think the, the Cavaliers really need to, um, or I really need to think about what they're going to look like for this stretch run and, and potentially temper expectations for the playoffs. I mean, I just said I'm not going to be too dramatic, and then I just said I'm not sure if they're going to make the playoffs. But, I mean, he is the he is the key to this team. Um, and so if he can't play Saturday, I think there's serious concerns about um, what position this team's going to be in here down the stretch run. The last point I'll make, and I, I want to talk more about this because it's, it's so critical with only 24 games left, but we, we've talked about the tough stretch of games that are coming up starting March 2nd, they play a bunch of playoff uh, opponents. They play the Hornets, the 76ers, the Raptors, the heat, the bulls, the 76ers all within like a two week stretch. And the notion of going into those games without Levert and we don't know yet about Garland is very, very concerning to me. Yeah. I mean, Darius Garland, I think this goes without saying he's by far the most important Cav. I mean, would it stink to lose Evan Mobley? Yes, but they have Jared Allen and uh, Lowry Markkinen. And by the way, Lowry Markkinen, he, he's expected to play tomorrow night, so that's obviously good news. 
uh, with Darius Garland and Karis LeVert out especially. But Jared Allen, if they're without Jared Allen, yes, they're going to miss out on the defense and the rebounds, but they have, like I said, they have Larry Market and then Evan Mobley. Darius Garland, I mean, yes, you could say you have Karis LeVert as like a playmaker, but now you're without Karis. Now your two point guards are Brandon Goodwin and Rajon Rondo and maybe Point Jetty, which I honestly don't want to see, but it's just a big problem. We all we all know this. We've talked about this in the podcast for, I mean, ever since we started this, that his lingering, his lingering back issues are a huge problem. Whether he's not going to be 100% until the offseason or not. I mean, you said it. I mean, I don't know. And maybe it's time to tamper our expectations a little bit. I mean, if, but then we discussed last week. The Cavs are playing with house money. I mean, they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, so my expectations were never really high, obviously. I think a lot of us can say that. But, yeah, if they don't have Darius for an extended period of time, it, they're going to have to heavily rely on their defense, which is one of the tops in the league, which is a good thing. But it's just that they're going to struggle offensively. I mean, it's as simple as that, especially if you're without Karras. If you're without both of them, you're going to very, you're going to really struggle offensively to create shots, to create good shots and create good offense. And we're we're going to see at least what you know what the Cavaliers showed us when Garland was out and when they didn't have Lavert is a lot of Osman. I mean, that's that's their guy that's going to initiate the offense. Of course, Goodwin or Rondo are going to probably you know initiate the first team, but Osman's going to have to play a lot. And he's proven throughout this year that in a certain role, he's extremely effective. When you ask him to do more than that, it's going to be rough. So, it, yeah, like you said, it's you probably need to reconsider expectations. It is house money. I have unfortunately talked myself into a top six seed. <laughs> so I need to consider that as as the season moves on. And, and I'm being a little doom and gloom right now. Maybe Garland comes back. Maybe he had a little tweak. Maybe he comes back on Saturday and it's going to be okay. It's just, it's concerning, right? And Garland's had injury issues the last two years, right? I mean, he he's missed upwards of 10 plus games each year. Um, and so you just hope he, you just hope he can stay healthy because this year really feels like the stepping stone into next year. And so you just hope he's healthy and, and would love to get some playoff experience. So the, one of the things I wrote down as kind of keys to the rest of the season was Levert settling into his role, which is problematic if he's out weeks with an ankle sprain. And then the second was just general health. And man, the, the Cavs have just been beaten with a stick all year, Josh, with with health, man. It's, it's been it's been tough. There's so much fun, but man, the the injuries really uh, really suck. The good news is that the in, the Cavs have been hit with so many injuries this year that maybe next year they'll have better, much better injury luck. I mean, let's, let's rewind. The Cavs, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markinen, now Karis LeVert. I feel like I'm missing one. Rubio. Rubio. Oh, Ru- Ricky, Ricky Rubio. That's literally f- five guards that they're without for an extended period of time. It's crazy that they're in the position that they are right now, to be honest. Shows you the stat, the type of team that JB has led and the type of team that Kobe has built, but like them being without all those guys and especially without Darius from off and on the last three or four weeks, it seems like it's been forever, but it's only been like three or four weeks. I mean, who knows? And we're both speculating. Um, maybe Karis Levert rolled his ankle to 
today in practice, and they're just – it's all precautionary. Maybe Darius Garland tweaked his back, and it's just precautionary. But we're Cleveland fans, Browns fans, so we're, I guess, looking at, like, the worst-case scenario, and I think the worst case is that Karras is out a few weeks and Darius Garland's lingering back issues are around until the offseason, which is bad news for the Cavs. I mean, house money or not, that's bad news for the Cavs. But, like, I, I don't know. It, it's, I guess we should wait until we get actual news rather than just like, hey, they're out tomorrow. But yeah, like you said, Saturday, I, who do they even play on Saturday? They've got the Wizards, another very winnable game. So they have two straight winnable games. I mean, tomorrow night, they're going to have to heavily rely on their defense, obviously. But with Lowry hopefully back, you're going to have the Tower City back with Mobley, Lowry, and Allen. Hopefully, it's just like first team to like 95 or 100. And their defense should be much better, even without Darius and Karras up front. And hopefully they just lock it up defensively and lock up Cade Cunningham and company and just find a way to win. I mean, I know that's cliche, find a way to win. But without Darius and without Karras and with so many injuries, just literally do whatever, no matter how ugly it is, just find a way to win. Yep, you said it first to 100. Um, this could be another like 101 to 96, just nasty game. And it will be nice to have Lowry back. I mean, that having those three guys out there defensively, like you said, is huge. And even with a Goodwin or a Rondo, it's, it's not going to be pretty. But if you have those three guys on the court, you've got spacing with Lowry, you've got Mobley who can do everything. And then you've got obviously rim protection with, with Allen. So yeah, it's, I'm being a little somber. I'm drinking some platform haze Jude right now. Um, we're going to bounce back. We're going to be okay, guys. I I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step off from the roof. I'm going to be fine. It was just, I, I guess what hit me was, you know, everyone pointed to this moment and said, let the Cavs get to the all-star break, let them get healthy, let them get fresh legs. Then they'll go on the stretch run. And then we get, you know, we get chopped down with the two best offensive backcourt players are both out the first game coming out. So a little bit of a bummer, but let's see what, let's see what happens on Saturday. Let's see who comes back and, and try to get some good factual information about the injuries. Let's hope that the Cavs ruling them out like 36 hours before their first game back is precautionary and they don't want Darius and Karis to go through like getting ready, like their, their pregames, they, all their pregame stuff. They want maybe Kobe and JB want those two guys to know that they're out and just to literally rest, especially Darius and his back rest. Just don't worry about anything, doing anything on court. Just go get treatment. Especially if Karis has like a foot sprint or whatever, go get treatment and you know you're not going to play. Don't like have it be like a game time decision and go through pregame warmups and just be like, "Oh yeah, you're not playing tonight." That's the optimist in me. I hope. I hope I'm being a, a good optimistic person. Yeah, this weekend was too good to to end. You know, to end this with with any negativity. So we'll see what happens. Um, I guess one thing that I wanted to ask you about the. The buyout market's been a little quieter than I expected it to be. I thought there was going to be a lot of movement. Obviously, Dragic went to the Nets. There's been a player here or there, but a, a lot of guys I'm surprised have not been bought out, like Schroeder with the Rockets. Um, you know, I, I don't. I just don't think there's been the quantity of guys that we thought might get bought out. Gary Harris is still with Orlando. Sounds like he might stick around and not get bought out. So, are you surprised at all about the activity? And then, I guess, just secondarily, are, are you expecting any kind of move um, from a buyout market perspective? 
the buyout market, yeah, you're right, though. The buyout market has been super quiet. Grand Dragic is the biggest name, and he hasn't really played at all this year, I don't think. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a, like a weird quiet, to be honest. Usually, like, I mean, I guess you have, like, the guys that go ring chasing, but, I mean, there's so many good teams this year. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go here and have a good chance to get a ring either. Phoenix is by far the best team in the NBA right now, but there were the TNT broke the news over the weekend on uh, the all-star stuff. Chris Paul's out. He broke a hand or he broke a hand. He broke a bone in his hand. He's out like four to six weeks or I forget the exact timetable, but he's out for a significant amount amount of time. It's just like, I don't know, but speaking of the buyout market, they have until March 1st. So Tuesday is the deadline for a guy to be on a team and be playoff eligible. So obviously that affects the Cavs. They released Kevin, or they wait. They put Kevin Pagos on waivers to open up a roster spot. So they will either sign someone in the buyout market or convert Brandon Goodwin's two way contract to a fully guaranteed deal and make him playoff eligible. So that will be one of the two things. One, one of those two two things will absolutely be guaranteed. Though they will happen. But yeah, but I guess. I mean, I guess. It's good. I get. It's weird to say that it's good now that Darius and Karis are going going through this now, but the Cavs have like five days to figure it out. If they're both somewhat significant injuries, they have to go out and get someone. They have whether it's like buying out, hoping for a buyout, or just going to the free agent market. They have to sign someone other than Brandon Goodwin. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, you've got to get some kind of ball handler. And they're at the point, they've had such an incredible year where you're not just at this point going to flip the switch and say, no, nah, we're, we're okay. You know, we'll lose some games. It's fine. Let's just throw the guys out there. No, they're they're in the thick of it so much. You've got to go be aggressive at this point. Um, so much information should be learned about probably what they do. Like if they go, if they go try and go aggressive for, for a wing or for like a two some point that might tell us a little bit about Levert's, you know, timeline and when they expect him to come back. So yeah, it's, it's been really quiet. Um, very intrigued in terms of what they think of Goodwin, you know, is, is that their move is to ensure that he can get put on the playoff roster or do they think someone is available? that's substantial enough upgrade where, um, they're going to risk the ability to gel in such a short period of time, you know, that where it makes sense to acquire him and, um, whomever that is and, and put him on the roster. So yeah, just something I wanted to check in with you on. It's been so quiet and I haven't heard anything about any Cavaliers uh, or the Cavs being linked to anybody. So uh, interesting time. And like you said, we've got a few days here to see what shakes out. Yeah, the twentieth is Monday. Yeah, so they haven't. I don't know the exact like time, but I know March first is Monday. So I'm probably like Monday by like five o'clock. The guy has to be on the roster to be playoff eligible, which obviously the Cavs are hoping to make playoffs, so that's important. 
But do you, I know, I always forget to tweet stuff out. Do you have any mailbag questions? I know you had like three or four last week. Do you have any this week? I got nothing this week. All I heard, I was on obviously text threads and everyone was just pumped up watching all weekend. Um, got absolutely nothing. I feel a little light coming in at today's pod. So, hey, usually I'm the guy with nothing. I texted a few buddies like an hour before the podcast and said, hey, do you have some mailbag questions for me? Because like I always forget. I know it's bad. I, I usually send out a tweet from the Waiting for Next Year account too and completely forgot about that as well. But the first one, Brandon Natale. How do you think the Cavs will adjust their lineup when Lowry Marketing comes back? I'll let you go first. Yeah, so when Lowry comes back, how will they adjust their lineup? I think I think Lowry is an immediate starter, right? So I think he probably kicked Dean Wade out of the starting lineup. Um, and so I, I think that's still – I'm not, not trying to deflect from the question. I think there's still – a big question about who's the two guard. Obviously right now it's going to be Okoro with Lavert out, but I, I think, you know, you know, obviously Lowry's going to start um, no other option at this point. It's, it's going to be whoever point guard is probably Rondo um, and then Okoro, Lowry, Mobley and Allen, right? Let's do, how about that? At full strength, obviously you can't say like Rubio would be back, blah, blah, blah. But, but at full strength, say like two weeks from now, would I think Harris Levert would honestly come off the bench? I mean, then again, starters reserves don't really matter except for the first quarter because after that it just goes by minutes. But I think Harris would come off the bench, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that's the exact role that he should be in. We we talked about it, uh, I think a week ago. Well, Coral plays such an important role, and some of these teams that the Cavaliers are playing coming up, you need wing defender. I do not think that it, it makes a lot of sense, even if it's for like six or seven minutes at the tip of the game, to have a lineup of, of Garland, Lavert, and Laurie when you're playing, you know, some serious wing guys. So I think my my personal favorite lineup, and I, I guess it's it's a little bit gritty, you know, it's it's the grittier option, but it's definitely Garland, Okoro, Laurie, Mobley, Allen. So you've got your best by far perimeter defender out there. You've got your best shooter probably in, in the lineup. I know he's been a little hot and cold this year. Um, that, that's my go-to lineup. I guess same same question back to you, Josh. Who's kind of your, you know, in terms of Lowry coming back, how does that impact your lineup? And then who do you see uh, as the top tier lineup going into, say, two weeks from now? My four, no matter what, are DG, Okoro, Allen, and Mobley. And then I think Lavert or Marketing are completely matchup based. If they're like a more of a guard heavy, like if it's I'm trying to think of, like if it's Philadelphia and they have James Harden to buy, I guess Tobias Harris though you can put Marketing on, like a, a team that's more like uh, not three guard heavy, but maybe three ball handler heavy, where you need a guy like Karis Lavert out on the perimeter rather than Marketing then you have him out there. But then if you need a shooter offensively, then you put a mark. And I think JB's in a, if, if this team gets back to full strength, which we all hope so, especially prior to the playoffs, JB's in a good spot. Cause he has six guys. He has six starting caliber players and he'll only have to choose five. And no matter what, he can go with a matchup, either Karras or Markinen. But I know we talked about this a lot last week. Isaac Okoro, even if he's not providing much offensively, which he has been a bit lately, he just provides so much defensively that it's hard to keep him off the court. He allows Darius Garland to not have to guard the best perimeter player. And I mean, let's look at their schedule. They're going to have to play Philadelphia three times in the final 24 games. 
that allows Darius Garland not to have to guard James Harden and it puts a coro on him. And yes, James Harden and those types of guys are going to get their points. But Okoro, as he has proven time and time again, he makes it very tough for the opposing def- or the opposing offensive guy that he's going against. Yep, and you've got Chicago coming up, so you've got Levine and DeRozan. Um, yeah, you, you need you need Okoro out there, in, in my opinion. I, I like the way you you phrase that. I think I think Okoro to me is a lock of the two, and then you know pick your poison where you want to go, Lavert or Laurie. I, the reason I like Lavert off the bench is just that scoring punch, and that that second unit needs some they need some ability to go get a bucket. So I love Lavert coming off, and Okoro really gives them the best chance at his best offense. We talked about that before too. Okoro is probably going to play his best offense with Garland. So I know you match up differently throughout the entire night, but I think maximizing Okoro and Garland minutes is going to give Okoro the best opportunity at some of those corner threes that he's been making. Like you said, like he's been he's been looking pretty good, running the floor, making some corner threes. His offense has definitely picked up uh, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and to go along with that, Tower City, the three big guys. Uh, from Andy Beekner, a simple little question. Will the big guys run out of gas as this experiment hasn't been done before? And by experiment, he means three seven-footers in the starting lineup. I think JB, I'll, I guess I'll, I, I just literally asked. I just asked a question and started to answer it before letting you talk. But I'll answer quick. JB has managed this lineup good enough. He hasn't been a Nick Nurse in the Toronto Raptors and given this, these guys enough rest. One, he's given them enough rest. Two, I mean, Mobley's been in and out. He's been in a lot lately, but he was out for a couple or a few games. I think maybe Evan Mobley right before the break, he hit like a rookie wall just because he's not used to playing this many games. But I don't think it's a minutes thing. I think it's just like, a, hey, I'm playing three games a week now and not two games a week and only 30 games in a regular season type of deal. I don't think they'll run out of gas, though. I think JB has managed them good enough, especially like minutes-wise, that they'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, I was doing some schedule previewing. They do have three back-to-backs left um, throughout the season in March. So, you know, there, there's a cluster of games that we might see some guys sitting, but I 100% agree with you in that I don't think they're going to run out of gas. I mean, I, what makes – I think the Cavaliers – big three I'm sorry not their big three they're they're physically big three um they're all unique right like Mobley is not a normal seven footer who's going to get gas like Valanchunas does if you watch him play or even Sam Adams even Allen I mean he's lean um he gets off his feet so these guys are are unique hold on it's Steven Adams by the way it's okay guys uh, Seth is drinking some alcohol he said Sam Adams he has Sam Adams on his mind but it's Steven Adams I'm just joking but it's Steven Adams <laughs> I just thought that was funny because you're drinking your platform brewery beer and then you said Sam Adams <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible that's where I'm at right now man I'm struggling but um but no I, I think that's what makes you know this team um so special that's why the lineup works is because these guys are unique so I 100% agree with you I don't think they're gonna run out of gas um, you know, young legs, I, th- I think they're going to be okay. And to your point, I think the reason we saw a little bit of Mobley call it regression, if you want, he's still the best rookie in the league this year. Uh, it, just playing a lot of games, physical, he's playing a lot of games. I, I have no concerns with them running out of gas. Yeah. And I know you said it earlier or in your uh, story today, I'm waiting for next year.com. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, be sure to check that out and always check out all of our stories. We seem to have we we're not running as much these days just because we all have full time jobs, but we usually have one or two stories a day. So always be sure to check us out, waitingfornextra.com. But the back to backs, I'm looking at their schedule quick. 
The first one is a Friday, Saturday at Miami at Chicago. That's at Miami at Chicago, not only because it's two good teams, but going from South Beach to Chicago and playing back-to-back, that's going to be tough. I would not be surprised if the players sit out either the first night of the back-to-back or the second. That is Friday, uh, March 11th, and Saturday, March 12th. The second one is, oh, the following weekend, Friday, Saturday. But it's both home. Home against Denver, home against Detroit. At least they're home, I guess. And then I did you write this in your story? Am I like looking at the schedule for? I think you wrote these in your story, by the way. Uh, the third one, Saturday, April second, and Sunday, April third, at New York, home against Philadelphia. By that time, that's like what one, two. That's the fifth, the last game, and the fourth, the last game in the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they sit some guys out against New York just because that game against Philadelphia means so much more. But yeah, I guess three. I would love to see the comparison to how many back-to-backs other teams have, especially in the East playoff race. Because three doesn't seem like that much, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm very glad that that Denver game uh, is at home uh, because you know maybe you catch the the West Coast guys slipping a little bit coming in. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I I was a little surprised. I I guess I don't have a good gauge to be honest for how many back-to-backs they've had already versus how many they have after the all-star break. I, I don't feel like they've had like five, I guess that would kind of be if you ratio it out in terms of percentage of the season, they've played 70% before all-star 30% after, I guess you'd say you would expect them to have five back-to-backs roughly so far. I don't think they've had that, but you know, I guess we'll see. I think other teams are going to ratchet up you know, these next 24 games. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild, wild ride the next six weeks. All right. If you keep talking just for 30 seconds, I'm looking at the schedule quick. They're up to five and it's on Christmas. or I think they're up to five and it's Christmas. So they probably have like six to seven back-to-backs I'd say. Okay. Yeah. It was one other thing I, I noticed about the schedule. You, you already called it out. We got the, the 76ers three more times. They still have the Toronto Raptors two more times and then the Chicago Bulls two more times. So Toronto Raptors are currently two and a half games behind the Cavaliers, the Bulls two and a half games in front. Um, and we, we've talked about it a lot, but those top six seeds are, are so critical for this team getting into the playoffs and avoiding the play-in tournament where you're going to have to play a Brooklyn Nets who are getting Ben Simmons back, or you're going to have to play a Toronto Raptors who you know, have some lengthy wing guys that might be a tough matchup, or even Boston if they slip a little. Some teams that I don't, I don't think the Cavs necessarily you know, match up with extremely Boston, well. Boston scares me. I know we talked about this last week, but them getting Derek White, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White, that scares me a lot. But then again, I mean, we talked about this last week too. Just get into the playoffs. Just give me all the playoff experience we can get. Hopefully it's maybe a first-round winner and go to the second round. But the more playoff experience this team gets, the better going into next year, which is when the expectations will be real going into next year. And doing my quick, very quick look at the schedule, I think through 58 games the Cavs have had eight back-to-backs and with 24 games left they have three so mathematically they actually have less per 24 uh, i guess it'd be right around the same but then again i mean the cast have three back-to-backs maybe in those three games the other teams are also playing back-to-backs who knows i i don't have that much time to go through every team's schedule but i just three back-to-backs in 24 games just doesn't seem like much which i guess is a good thing for the cats 
Yep. Yeah. It, it's that time. I think it's time to go schedule hunting. So it's time when every time you play a, a team, I know I've been doing, I've been kind of nerding out, but Hey, I'm going to go look at their schedule, see who, see who they played recently, see who played well. Um, it's fun trying to get into the mind of like, how are they going to attack the calves? How are the calves going to attack them based on, you know, recent opponents and how they've done it. So yeah, it's definitely schedule hunting time. These last 24. And speaking of schedule hunting, I'm in Brooklyn Mets. I know they received the news today that New York might do away with their vaccine mandate, so Kyrie will be able to play in home games. But Kevin Durant dealing with an injury, he missed the All-Star game. James Harden dealing with a hamstring injury, he hasn't played yet since he's been traded. Kyrie's only been able to play in away games. They, I think, let's see, they are currently the eighth seed. They're seven games back at first and three and a half games out of or in the playoffs ahead of the 11th seed. But if they, I mean, if they have their big three back, and I said James Harden, by the way. I meant Ben Simmons. They have Ben Simmons now. That's my my apologies. Ben Simmons is working his way back. They're one of those teams where I think right now, Vegas odds makers, they have like top two odds to win it all. But they're currently the seventh seed. They could be a play-in team that has to go up against the first or second seed. I mean, yeah, I would hate to be that first or second seed, but they're going to have one heck of a time in the playoffs, even if they're at full strength. And that's just one of the many things to pay attention to besides the Cavs. It's just like Brooklyn. One, when will they be at full strength? And two, I mean, I think without looking at their exact schedule now, I saw someone tweeted out earlier. They have a very, if you thought the Cavs had a very tough schedule from like March 2nd to March 20th or whatever, out of the gate, Brooklyn has a very tough schedule. So they, if they don't go like 500, they could be on the outside looking in when it comes to the playing. Yeah, there's there's some really interesting data in terms of strength of schedule remaining. Luckily, I think some of the top teams in the East are part of that. So Milwaukee has the toughest strength of schedule remaining uh, opponents, 0.554 winning percentage. Chicago's number two, 0.543. Um, so you know, two of the two of the leaders in in the Eastern Conference have the toughest remaining schedule. I think Boston is the other one that would be East playoff contender they're in the top 10 as well so luckily right we wouldn't hate to see uh, milwaukee and chicago lose a few as they they get into the stretch around here yeah i one yeah exactly what you said i'd love to see those types of teams lose the more they lose obviously the better it helps the Cavs. and speaking of strength of schedule the Cavs had the 22nd toughest strength of schedule the rest of the way even with that uh tough stretch starting march 2nd but then again I mean, this uh, Tankathon has their like eight tough, eight toughest opponents the rest of the season. Wait, five, nine, nine toughest opponents the rest of the season. It's Miami for one, Chicago for two, Philly for three, Milwaukee, Dallas, Denver. I think like four or five of those games come in that nine game stretch that starts March second. So, like we said last week, that nine game stretch at one, I mean, it's going to be tough. If you don't have Darius Garland and or Karras, you're going to struggle, obviously. But if they can just find a way to go like four and five in that stretch, I will literally t- I'll take I'll take three and six, honestly, and just take care of business against the other teams. I know we discussed this too. 24 games left. The Cavs currently sit at 35 and 23. If they go 12, if they go 500 the rest of the way, they finish the season 47 and 35. I will gladly take that. And that's going 500 the rest of the way. Yeah. The, you'd have to think that's got to be enough for a top six. I mean, what, what Boston has done going nine and one, their last 10, 
um, even Chicago. It just feels like these teams don't lose in the East. Like every night you're checking box scores and every team seems to be winning, but it's got to cool off a little bit. Toronto's eight and two in their last 10. So yeah, there, there's got to be a, a bit of an adjustment. I know those teams are immensely talented, but there's got to be a little bit of a cooling off period. And, and like you said, you know, go even from here. And you would think that's going to be a top six seed. Yeah, go even. I mean, even if they don't have Darius and Karras, if they can win in, against Detroit, and then I mean, I'm totally blanking. Oh, and then beat Washington. And keep in mind, Boston or Washington is now without Bradley Beal the rest of the season, and they just traded Spencer Dinwiddie and um, I can't think of the other guy, the white guy that can shoot threes. I cannot think of his name right now. Oh, uh, Burton's right, Burton's. Yeah, Bur- yeah, yeah, Burton's. So they traded those two. I honestly, and they traded uh, Montrez Harrell. I, I'll be completely honest. I couldn't name you. I'm a big NBA fan. I can't name you one player that's currently a wizard. Yeah, Kuz, uh, right? That's that, that's the only guy oh, that sticks Kyle out. Kuz, my, my, yeah. him in his big jackets, and he talks shit about Cleveland all the time. That's why I forget <laughs> about him. But besides him, I mean, they, if they can win these next two games, even without it or not being at 100, that'll be huge. What? One, a confidence boost, and two, just going into the rest of the year. Yeah, that, that would be absolutely huge. When you if, – if you were to start losing, you know, the some of these games, you lose against Detroit, you lose against Washington, and then you go into the stretch, it just – it leaves you no room for error. Yeah, I hate – again, don't want to be dramatic, but 0-2 in the next two would be tough. That would be tough. you got to go 1-1. and 2-0 and would really is where you want to be, but you got to go 1-1. and with that schedule coming up, potentially with the injuries they're being faced with right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I mean, this is cliche too. rely on the defense. The defense has been one of the best in the NBA all season. Now that they'll hopefully get Lowry back tomorrow night or starting tomorrow night, just rely on Okoro and the, the three, seven footers to just hopefully dominate defensively. And hopefully you just do enough offensively to just win the ball game. And that's, no matter how ugly it is, we saw how ugly it could be without Darius, and now they're without Kara. So it's just like the a few weeks ago when they were without Darius because they didn't even have Kara Silvert on the team. It's going to be ugly. I mean, there's going to be a lot of turnovers. There's going to be a lot of possessions where it's just like Kevin Love holding the ball for 20 seconds and getting off a shot. It's going to happen. But hopefully JB and the boys just find a way to win. That was exactly where I was going. That, that's the trademark offense without Garland. It's Osmond or Love, dribble, 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 look, watch, stand around, and then attack at like five seconds and then put up most of the time a below average shot. That, that's the offense we're accustomed oh, to without Garland. I can't think of what team it was, but it was just before the All-Star break. An NBA team had a 24-second violation where the guy brought the ball up the court, didn't pass it a single time, and then it was 24 seconds. I cannot. Hopefully that doesn't happen with the Cavs. But, so, yeah, we talked about All-Star Weekend. Great news. Darius Garland, Car- Carol Silver being out tomorrow night. Bad news. Hopefully it's not too severe. I guess we'll find out. I guess when JB maybe has uh, – he definitely has media availability before the tomorrow night's game. I don't know what's going to be said. If he'll explain the injuries even more. We I'm need assuming- some – we need some tough questions, guys. If you're yeah. asking a question, please get to the bottom. You got to ask the pointed question. Fans, fans got to know. Karis Levert's injury had to have happened today in practice. It had to have. And then Darius Garland, I'm assuming it's just a lingering back issue that maybe it's just he tweaked it during practice today. 
unless he tweets it Sunday and we don't know about it. But, I mean, he seemed fine on Sunday. But, yeah, so another Cavs Weekly podcast that we were not planning on doing for an hour, and here we are an hour and five minutes in. If you are listening to us live, thank you. Always be sure to leave a comment. I know a few of you left comments, and I just now realized that, and I forgot to include them, so I apologize. If you're listening to us at a later time, wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate that as well. And we will be back with you next week, hopefully talking about a few Cavs wins and how they're close to being back to 100%. And, yeah, as usual, go Cavs. Let's go Cavs. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.